Forget sprints and stand-ups for a second. Business agility is about traveling light so you can go faster. One important way to do that is by taking small, frequent, experimental risks, also known as placing small bets. That's this week on the Badass Agile Podcast. Greetings, team. Welcome to the Badass Agile Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Williams. Hey, everybody. Welcome, welcome, welcome. At the risk of repeating myself, Agile must evolve. It, too, must iterate into something greater than what it already is. Otherwise, we're completely violating our own rules and the manifesto itself. The next level of value is to improve delivery of non-technical product. So our technique will shift away from planning, estimating, attacking, and testing and deploying code and into different forms of customer value. Let's explore that. But first, let's remember why we're here. To create an elite tribe of leaders who truly serve their clients and communities by doing what matters and what works, relentlessly chasing value and excellence like a badass. There's so many resources out there about what you need to do to be agile, but we're focused on who you need to become in order to lead teams. So let's hammer down those fundamentals to create a unique and powerful force in this industry. And if this helps you, tell your friends. You can also submit your coaching and leadership questions and sign up for daily inspiration and weekly videos, all at badassagile.com. So go sign up, post your questions today. Let's dig in a little bit on business agility again, because I'm super passionate on this topic. I believe that we're going to be called on as a community more and more to provide guidance on how to make Agile work outside the technology and software space. So the more I work to spread agility in large organizations, the more I see people clamoring to use it to organize their daily work, how to adapt to and prioritize within a rapidly changing business landscape. So it's raising the question of how to make Agile principles fit a non-technical product. But what does Agile really teach us to do that's not specific to technology or software? I think the most important skill that traditional Agile and Scrum teaches us is how to experiment and get to success quickly by moving through failure fast. Now think about it. Anytime you're trying to really learn how to maximize a system while minimizing risk and downside, you're going to place small tiny bets to see what happens, to test the water before you go in full scale. And that's the way we should approach anything that we try to do with agility. Now, I don't care if you're trying to write a book, improve your grades, get in shape, start a small business, or invent a new recipe. My four favorite words in the English language are, let's try an experiment. And in my lexicon, an experiment means a small investment of time exploring a hypothesis that we're literally going to test in some constrained way to see if we get the desired outcome. And if we do, we can proceed safely down that avenue. We can explore further. We can try more things and make more investments. But if the experiment fails, we're free to change course, do something different, and recover early. This approach of frequent, rapid, small experimentation which I call placing small bets, allows us to be free to innovate, but to innovate in the real world with hands-on experience rather than in our minds or in the warm, cozy incubator of a business requirements document. 
If you think about it, so many times when we hypothesize, we fail to account for the things that we can't see because we've never experienced them before. We can't account for randomness. We can't account for bad luck. We can't account for bad weather until you get out there and try things and test them on the road. We can never be sure if they'll work or if they won't. So too much time spent thinking about it in our heads is wasted time. But of course, to get out there and put things on the road can sometimes be expensive and can sometimes be really risky. As I frequently say, nobody wants to be the person that sinks the boat. So that's where the idea of small comes in. You test hypotheses with small investments. All right, from a solo artist or entrepreneur type perspective, what could that look like? Well, it's simple. You can reduce your investment and therefore your risk in the following ways. Number one, if you think about investment in things like capital equipment, instead of investing heavily in expensive stuff these days, you can usually rent or borrow almost everything from tools to office space to equipment, or you can timeshare it, or you can buy it and return it, or you can buy it, use it, and sell it. Isn't that being agile? I kind of think it is. So we're big into sharing these days. We should leverage that when it comes to any kind of investment in stuff that we need when we're trying to be more agile from a purely business perspective. And guess what? Number two, that also applies to people. If you need people in order to make your experiment work, instead of hiring them and making a long-term commitment, take advantage of the fact that we live in a gig economy and many people prefer these days to have the autonomy and the freedom to choose how much work they do and where they do it from. So go find some people on one of those gig websites and use them part-time or on a fixed-price, fixed-time basis. I use them all the time, and I happen to have found a team that's absolutely amazing. I've been using them consistently for over a year now, and even though they don't work with me full-time, I keep going back to them. So now we've actually built a cohesive team. We trust each other. We take care of each other. We care about each other. But at the same time, I don't have to pay any one person a full-time salary. I can pick and choose the people for the different skill sets and different projects that I need. And if that project ever changes or affordability changes, I can make changes to those agreements on the fly. Another area where you can place small bets and make minimal investments is in education and skills training. So, okay, what if the industry or area that you're trying to break into appears to require a ton of upfront learning? Well, rather than waiting for four years to go get a full-on degree and spend a ton of money on books, and other resources, you can use things that are out there today like research aggregators, book summaries. You can gather the fundamental knowledge and intel that you need to get yourself started and then decide where you're going to go with it. Where are you going to invest your time and resources more heavily in intense and fulsome study if it becomes necessary? And those resources and services already exist today. Number four, don't reinvent the wheel. Here's another thing you can try if there's something you want to do, but it seems to have never been done before, and you don't know where to start, but you still want to be successful, try studying the success of others in somewhat related or even completely unrelated domains and take away the lessons learned and the wisdom earned from those stories and try applying them to your story. Do you know somebody who opened a restaurant in your area and it was massively successful? Well, maybe that knowledge and wisdom, or even that exact same approach, could help you to write and release your own independent novel. Do you know someone who's a masterful athlete who's been massively successful in their career? Well, read their biography. 
Maybe that could help inspire you and start up your own small business using the same mindsets and practices that they used. And when it comes to your approach, how you're actually going to execute it. Number five, slice your scope. Sometimes the roadmap just isn't clear. Sometimes there's nobody to copy. So when that happens, here's what I want you to do. The best way to play small bets when the way forward is completely unclear is to slice your scope. As a business, as an artist, as a whatever you happen to be, you've got all kinds of ambitions, but I want you to choose just one for now. Any of us could imagine opening up a restaurant, let's say, that becomes a worldwide, internationally renowned chain with a packed dining room every night and thousands of rave reviews. But getting from zero to there is not a one-step, one-shop process. So why don't we start with maybe just one location, maybe even start with a food truck. What is your first measure of success on the road to that massive set of achievements? Find some way to slice up your scope, and it could be just one location, or it could be three locations that only serve two different food items, or it could be one location that serves as many food items as you can possibly invent from one single food supplier. There's got to be some way to slice and limit your scope, your logistics, to limit complexity so that you're not trying to take on all of the world in your first attempt. See, this one's so critical to any kind of big-scale agility. And yet, when we start talking about MVP, isn't there always pushback to make all of it MVP? Have you ever had this discussion? Well, how much is that MVP going to cost? Well, what parts of the scope do you want and consider to be MVP? All of it is MVP. Okay, well, look, without conceding, frankly, a lot of scope, the word minimum becomes completely meaningless, and it's no longer an experiment, nor is it particularly agile thinking. Now, the next thing you need to do to enable small bets is always work backwards from your high-value outcome. The reason I say that is there's a lot of things you can place small bets on in a small business or as an eager business unit, but you need to figure out what your highest-value outcome is. If it's one great restaurant review in the world's most famous newspaper, then that's your high-value outcome. If it's a way for your human resources department to shorten the time to hiring from 90 days to 9 days, that's your high-value outcome. There's a lot of things you could do, but that one is the most important upfront high-visibility achievement. The reason you need to know this is that all of your upcoming experiments and small bets have to be oriented towards getting that outcome only. If it doesn't get you closer, then you know you have to cut it and move on to another idea or experiment. There's so many things we could place small bets on, and some of those bets will turn out. But if those bets don't get you closer to the thing you really, really want, it's just wasted time. So as a shop owner on Main Street, you might create this really powerful, beautiful, critically acclaimed high-color ad, but if only three people come into your store and don't buy anything, then that's not working towards your high-value outcome. You were hoping for actual sales, for money in the cash register, and until you get that, you have to keep placing small bets elsewhere and trying different things. Here's an example. In my last client, we were really certain that one of the things we wanted to create was an educational atmosphere for Agile, but we didn't know what kind of courses we should offer. We didn't know what topics would really grab people. And what we really wanted was magnetism. We wanted to draw an audience 
We wanted to make a difference, so we wanted these people to stick with us for the long term. Not just one and done. You don't just sit the course and then we never see you again. But we didn't know which course of action was going to work to get us that magnetism. So we just tried some stuff. But what we did is ran a lunch and learn. So we had no room rental costs. So we cut our capital investment. We didn't even pay for lunch. So we had no expenses. We didn't have to generate expensive course materials. We wrote it ourselves. Because all the sessions were about 40 minutes or less time-wise. So we could afford to do one about every two weeks. And pretty quickly, we figured out what kinds of topics drew a crowd. We found out what kind of advertising techniques got the word out. We learned that walking around the floor, for example, and just herding cats right before the event drew more people in. We found out that activity and interaction made people want to come back and see us again and again. And the cost to do all of this was literally nothing but the investment of our time. Now, if you're out there leading an agile team today, let me ask you this. How often do we really do things like that? How often do we try a totally different solution approach? And how many times do we just do things because we think we ought to do them, only to find out that they don't positively impact the outcome at all? It's almost like we're running on autopilot, just running a script, doing things the way we've always done them, and doing things that are the path of least resistance, the least likely to encounter outright failure. And of course, if you don't know this already, one of the best results from an experiment is failure. Even if your experiment can't work. Let's say we ran the lunch and learn and nobody showed up. At least you learn something that will get you closer to a solution that will work. Something that will attract the right audiences. Something that will fit. The most important thing that you can teach your teams, guys, is how to place small bets. Because if they learn how to do it in the software development room, then you can teach people how to do it anywhere in the enterprise. And if they take it on as a habit with a true spirit of experimentation and exploration, that's how real innovation happens. And if you've got real innovation happening, the chances are good that you're going to stumble upon something that customers truly value, will pay for, and they'll come to you for it because it's the only place they can get what they want. So that's the mindset change I want you to help install in your clients, your teams, your partners, your vendors, everybody that you can reach. I want you to show them by example what great experimentation looks like, and I want you to make a ritual out of it. You should be experimenting somehow, some way, every week, maybe even every day. And once you do that, you've created something that is truly, truly agile. Folks, thank you for listening. You can reach out at badassagile.com or find me on Twitter at badass underscore agile. See you next time. And until then, stay badass. Badass.